if you're saying yes to things that are not on your compass, you're going to have to say no to things that are. And that means you're not going to gain momentum and get the ultimate success that you're looking for in your life. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I am Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Holly Jean Jackson, who helps entrepreneurs and business leaders love their life and business again. She has over 12 years of technology and business experience, and she helps business leaders get their groove back physically, mentally, and emotionally. Holly Jean Jackson, how are you? I am great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I've had lots of coffee today. I'm ready. I could use some more coffee. I should have had more. (laughs) I'm jealous. Actually, talking about coffee before we get right into it, I've been like experimenting with coffee lately to see, you know, like I still go to Starbucks because I got drive through. It's right by my house. Right. And I could order ahead. But we have also a local place called Insomnia Coffee that has Ethiopian coffee. And I bought some different coffee that's like ground, you know, coffee. And then we tried using it in the coffee maker kind of thing. And then we have like a coffee press. I'm trying to figure out which one gives you the most bang for your buck, you know, with like the least kind of, I don't know, like side effects, I guess you would say, like lower the jitteriness, but keep the energy and that kind of thing. So far, the Ethiopian coffee seems to be the winner. Just saying, shout out to Insomnia Coffee locally. Hmm. Have you tried Costa Rican coffee? I have. And you know what? My business partner lives in Costa Rica. Hmm. So I should probably get him to send me some coffee. I didn't even think of that. Have him send me some too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll I'll see how much he can send at once. Yeah, because he lives down in Haco, Costa Rica, which is like a kind of tourist place. And they're just starting to open up again. They just opened up bars and restaurants for certain periods of time during the day for people. And it's really tough for people there who can't work because there's no unemployment, right? There's no unemployment insurance. So if you're not working, you're not making money. Yeah, Costa Rica is beautiful. I visited there, I don't know, six or seven years ago in the jungle and went whitewater rafting and saw an amazing organic farm. And it was really beautiful. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty modern place, too. I mean, they have good Internet and good health care and stuff like that. But let's get into it. So you say on the other side of fear is freedom and clarity. And before we kind of get more into like the business aspects of it, do you want to tell me a little bit about your philosophy Sure. Well, it's based on a story and a real experience. So I had just gone through a divorce and was having some struggles with layoff after layoff and health challenge after health challenge. And I decided I was going to go on a backpacking trip alone in the woods. I was doing a program called Celebrate Recovery. And for Celebrate Recovery, I was working on codependency from my previous marriage, and I was stuck on doing my spiritual inventory. So that's why I was taking this trip alone in the woods. So honestly, I thought the scariest thing I would face would be my own mental chatter, my own anxious thinking. However, the second day of that trip, I came to this really dense part of the woods And I looked down and I saw a fresh set of bear paw prints and another smaller set. So as I came across the next corner, sure enough, there was Mama Bear. And she saw me. She immediately began charging towards me. And I kid you not, my life flashed before my eyes. It was terrifying. As luck would have it, some fellow backpackers the day before had shown me how to charge a bear back, which I know sounds crazy because it's not part of your typical bear awareness campaign. 
but this was not a normal bear and I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I charged the bear back with everything I had and it worked and the bear ran away. So the reason I share this story is not because a lot of people have faced a bear in the woods, but for me, after having that experience, there were a lot of things I was living in fear of in my life. A lot of things that would terrify me and would keep me from moving forward and hold myself back. And after facing that bear in the woods, I realized that I could face any fear and any obstacle. It was a really empowering experience. So I like to share with people, you know, whatever your bear is today, whether it's leaving an abusive relationship, whether it's going after that next business venture, whatever it is, if I can face a mama bear that's angry in the woods alone and survive it, there is no fear too big that you can't face head on. And so my philosophy is that on the other side of fear is freedom and clarity, because oftentimes fear is the only thing holding us back. Oftentimes, fear is cluttering our minds with negative thoughts that are not true. And oftentimes, that does not allow us to become clear and understand our path forward. And it creates limiting beliefs and limiting actions. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And also, kind of an aside, talking about most people don't come face to face with a bear. I'm actually from a town called Elkford, British Columbia. That's in southeastern British Columbia that basically has no people in it and lots of bears. <laughs> <laughs> so bears would just kind of wander through town. It, it was a fairly common occurrence, right? I actually still follow their Facebook page. It's called Wildlife Sightings. And they're just like, there's a bear over on, you know, Caribou Street. So watch out, you know, like it's just like an everyday occurrence there, which is odd. And the thing about charging a bear or or like trying to make yourself look big and yell and stuff like that to get kind of scare them off. It works great, except for grizzly bears. I'm going to point that out. If you're ever in a place where there's grizzly bears or polar bears, do not charge them. <laughs> they will eat you. <laughs> yes. In fact, I would say do not charge a bear unless you absolutely need to. So bear awareness teaches us that the first thing is you never turn your back to a bear. You hold your ground because otherwise they will chase you like your food. And the other thing is to make noise. So if you have hiking poles, make noise with that, stomp your feet, do something to make noise. And then if you're in a group, come together and make yourself large. If you're alone, put your arms up in the air so that you look bigger than you are without your arms up in the air. So these are the normal actions you take. And unless you absolutely need to, do not charge a bear. Like that's not normal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can usually you can just put like a couple little bells on your hiking stick or something and that'll like get rid of the bears because they don't want you around. Absolutely. Anyways, I didn't know that we were going to have a discussion about bear safety today, but <laughs> it's very helpful to most people, you know, just in case you're going to go out in bear country, people. We got you covered. All right. So unlike any other time in history, a lot of businesses have been forced to go online and for their staff and servicing their customers and stuff is all online now. Do you think that most businesses were kind of caught off guard by having to do this? Yes, absolutely. Most of the people that I've been working with are completely caught off guard and they were not prepared for doing business online, especially businesses that didn't have an online presence other than just marketing, right? So I think for people that have employees where they needed to work remotely, they had better preparation for that for the most part, especially tech companies. But in terms of companies that were retail operations, restaurants that traditionally didn't do delivery or to-go orders, 
a lot of local mom and pop shops were largely unprepared for this. And even interestingly enough, places like the financial planning sector, a lot of those people were not prepared for moving business online. So I think this was very surprising for most. So you helped a lot of entrepreneurs and and companies kind of move their businesses online. And kind of now that things are open up again, do you have some ideas on how companies and people can balance that kind of online and offline? Because now they're going from having to go fully online and now they're starting to open up again offline. So how do you think people could balance that now? Yeah, so there's a lot of different aspects to this. So in terms of where your employees are working, I think most companies have learned that Working remotely works, and not only does it work, but for a lot of them, it works better. So I think we're going to see a lot of changes in regards to companies doing things in very unique new ways. So what's going to be interesting is what do they do with their corporate real estate? Do they do co-sharing, co-working spaces for people that are located in that area and it's not just for that company? Are they going to have policies where they have money that they provide employees that allow them to rent space in a co-working or co-sharing facility near them? I think a lot of remote working is going to continue. And that's a great thing because I think for our sanity and for the environment, we need to reduce the amount of commuting time we have and we are more productive and more efficient and happy anyways. In terms of businesses that moved their service online or a product online, the question I'd ask you now that things are reopening is... Do you like the way things are now that you move things online? Is the customer experience amazing and better online? And if the answer is yes, then continue doing your business online for those particular services. Now, for the areas where it's better served in person, obviously, as we reopen, follow the laws and regulations and the health concerns and everything you need to do to do that safely for your customers. But for those experiences, keep those in person. So it's going to be a mix and it's going to take some time reflecting on what the balance is for you as a business owner, as well as for your employees. I've been working from home for a long time, right? I mean, my company has been remote for six years and I was working as an IT contractor before that for a lot of years, as well as my previous company that I had. And we worked at home most of the time. And once I started working from home and I didn't have to commute anymore, I was like, I am never commuting again. Like, period. I don't care if it's the best job ever. I'm just like, I'm just no on commuting because it's such a massive waste of time and resources. I had a recruiter reach out to me years ago when I was still in the corporate space and I was living in the East Bay of California and this job was across the bridge south of San Francisco. And I did that commute for three and a half years. And the recruiter called me and I said, I started laughing like hysterically. I said, please remove me from your list. I would rather jump off a bridge than commute that place again. (laughs) All right. Being stuck in traffic when you need to be somewhere or you're late because there's a car accident on one lane of a freeway, you know, like the whole thing is just just disaster. Uh, Let your employees do work from home if you can, people. Amen. (laughs) I'm just saying. I second that. And you know what? There are there are some things that are better done in person and and talking about things in person. So you go and do kind of the speaking circuit a lot with like trade shows and and events and stuff like that. Do you think that conferences and trade shows and stuff are going to make a comeback or do you think that it's going to be 
maybe smaller groups or smaller venues? Or do you think it's pretty much going to be mostly online from here on out? So it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with somebody about this this morning who also does a lot of speaking. And it's really difficult to replace the in-person speaking experience online. And I've participated in quite a few virtual summits recently and virtual conferences. And I have not really seen anybody that has an amazing technology or experience online that really replaces the experience of a conference in person. So my guess is that most large conferences and trademark experiences are going to try to come back in person. Now, I think for this year, most of those are going to be pushed out at least a year. And it's very risky to run an event when you can't get sponsorship because it's, there's so much risk and uncertainty for the next year. But even one of my stages for this spring has been rescheduled to a physical stage in October. So I'm personally hoping that they come back the way they normally are because you just can't replace face-to-face. Your conversion is higher face-to-face in terms of attracting new clients and new partnerships and having network opportunities. And you just, you don't have that same experience online. I do think we'll have more online summits, but we need to get better technology. So I've seen some people trying to address some of that stuff, but I mean, there's there's some things that you just can't address online. And I'll give you a good example. So I was at Digital Agency Expo in New York last December, and two guys in the elevator behind me at the hotel were talking about their new advertising platform. And I turned around and I was like, hey, I got a client who's trying to advertise CBD and we can't get them on any advertising platform. They're like, we allow CBD. And so, bam, and then we're talking and, you know, I got my client hooked up with them and they were doing advertising, they're doing business. There's no elevator in the virtual Zoom conference, you know, and there's that idea of kind of like the values in the hallway or the values at the, the hotel bar or something like that. I've seen a couple online ones where they're doing like breakout rooms and stuff. Or they'll have different Zoom rooms that you can go into and one of them is just named Hotel Bar, you know. But it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have the same feel to it, right? It doesn't have that whole, there's an energy when you go to a place where there's a lot of people, right? Yeah, well, and I think the other thing too is right now, it's hard to test the efficiency and effectiveness of these online summits because everybody's so burnt out with technology, because of where we are with COVID-19. And so it's not really fair to say, oh, this is not the best technology and this isn't going to work when everybody's just so burnt out and missing that in-person connection. So I do think that there is a space for that and we're overdue for finding a technology that addresses that. But like you just said, there's nothing that replaces those one-to-one conversations that organically occur when you're in a physical space. The water cooler conversations, the hotel bar, the, oh, let's go to this restaurant together and have dinner. We have a lot of things in common. You can't replace that in online format, even with a hotel bar breakout room. It just doesn't happen. And I've, I've gone to some of these happy hours online and stuff, and it it's not the same. It feels very fake. And I don't know, it doesn't work for me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, so we do like a live stream. That's like a, we call it marketing happy hour live stream. I'll have a couple of people on the show and a few people watching and commenting and it's fun, you know, but it's not the same as sitting around a table with people. Right. And it's interesting. Like there's somebody locally who 
was really creative. She works in the music industry and she created an experience online, which is very different than what we're talking about for a summit. Now, if you did similar to what she did on a larger scale, I think it could be incredibly connective and an amazing experience. But what she did was she found somebody who had the right technology and could run the show and make sure it was going to be really high touch, really high polish, really beautiful for the customers. And then she partnered with local uh, restaurants and all kinds of different places that sold retail items. And they created this experience where you had a meal delivered. And I think it was like an Italian themed musical show. So they had an Italian restaurant deliver an Italian meal. And they had a retail shop deliver something that was Italian looking, I think like a bridge or something cool or the tower. And so you have all these items that make it feel like it's an actual inclusive, real experience. And then they had really beautiful music and they had a lot of interaction and building up to that. They had a, um, I think a Facebook virtual room where you could make comments and converse. So I think if we create experiences online that are more immersive, it could be effective, but it's a lot more work to make that happen too. Yeah. And there's lots of, of ways, I think, that things are going to evolve, like experiences online are going to evolve. Like I saw a place that does murder mystery dinners is having online murder mystery dinner kind of thing. And that might be something fun. You know, we were thinking about doing that with our friends and we, you know, like everybody gets pizza from the same place and we do the pizzeria murder mystery dinner, you know, because you can buy those boxes that have murder mysteries in them. It's like a box you buy a store, right? And it was super fun when we did it in person. So I thought it might work online. But there is always that you you talked earlier about how people have kind of Zoom fatigue. You know, they're kind of tired of, of seeing heads and boxes on screens every single day, all day. And you lose a lot of the communication data that you would normally get from posture and body language and things that you can't really see as much on video. And I think that kind of gets lost too. like the energy of a concert is not the same when you're watching it online as it is being in the place where you can feel the bass of the music hit you and stuff like that. Right. Well, and the energy of a talk isn't the same either. So I don't know about you, but as a speaker, when I'm doing online summits, it's more draining. Like as a speaker in general, because I give so much of myself on a stage, it's still draining, but doing it online is even more draining because I can't see everybody. Like I can see these tiny little heads, but I can't see or feel their energy and, and how it's resonating with them as much as I can in a room. It's just not the same. <laughs> and it drains between you and the camera, it drains about a quarter of your energy. So you always got to be like more, right? And more exciting. Da, 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 da. And, and, but you also have no feedback. So it's so tiring. Yeah. Yeah. That's why a lot of like, for example, when I'm doing a webinar or running my own format, I do ex exercises and activities so that I know, are they still with me? Are they interested? Like what's going on? And it's very effective, but for the, the summits where you're not in control and it's just doing an interview, it's really hard to know and understand how it's landing. And and you know what? I do like virtual summits. I think they're really good. And I was on my first virtual summit probably five years ago. Like they've been around for a long time. The technology is starting to get a little bit better. It's still hit or miss, but it is getting better. So you've done quite a few virtual summits now. I've done a couple and then I've got a couple more coming. I think we're actually going to be on the same one. Yep. 
uh, Mark's one, right? And uh, what's the name of his summit again? Crap, I totally don't remember. And I just talked to him about it. Like That was a long time ago. So I don't remember what it is either. I recorded like two months ago. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I like talked to him yesterday and I already forgot what it was called. <laughs> That's the world of being a business owner, right? It feels like I know. a year and a day. <laughs> it's funny because I actually like kind of out of nowhere, I'm, I'm just suddenly like I've kind of gotten into the virtual summit thing. Like, so just as soon as I was on one and now the people who are on those summits or they see that you've been on one before book you for the other ones. You know, it's kind of like the speaking thing where when you're up speaking to a crowd and you can say, let me tell you a story about Jim. Jim hired me to do a talk last year at such and such. And that is the key to tell everybody, right, that they need to hire you to do their talk because you tell the story that somebody else from the crowd hired you. Virtual summits the same way. Right. So if you're listening and you're having a virtual summit, Holly Jean Jackson and Matthew Rouse are perfect virtual summit guests. I love that. That's right. We'll sell the shit out of your virtual summit. And we'll connect you with amazing people that have really incredible stories too. That's right. And you know what? This is kind of an interesting beside from the virtual summit, having people refer me to other virtual summits. I thought I need to make sure that when I'm sending the links after we record the podcast and then we release it, I send somebody, you know, here's the links to where you can share it, right? Here's where it is on iTunes or whatever, right? Here's the information you need to share with your people. And now I started saying, is there anybody who you think has a podcast that I would be a good guest for? And do you want me to try and refer you to other podcasters to be a guest? And I've already gotten three referrals to other podcasts. I've only been doing it for like two weeks. And I don't know why I didn't think of it. I mean, doing marketing with companies and coaches and and especially real estate agents and mortgage people. And I'm like, always ask for the referral every time. And then I'm not asking for referrals in my own business, right? Yeah, it's a great reminder. Whatever your top three goals are in your business, you should constantly be asking as you know, for referrals for that. So if you're trying to get on podcasts, you should be asking every single person you meet with, what's your favorite podcast? And by the way, do you know somebody that um, I'd be a great guest on their show for the podcast or that I should have on my show, right? I am actually launching my own podcast called Inspiration Contagion on June 16th. And Everybody I interviewed that has a podcast was sharing with me how hard it is. And they're like, don't do it unless you absolutely have to. And this is the only way you can achieve your goal. And I was like, okay, well, that was really defeating. I don't think it was that hard, honestly. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. So I just said challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um the the organization of it and committing the time and stuff is difficult because you got to I mean, you still have whatever amount of work you have to do in your week. And now you're like, well, I'm going to add four to five hours more work a week. Right. Depending upon how often you're going to release. But we moved ours to twice a week. So I need twice as many guests. And then we also do some one off episodes. So now I need an extra episode every two to three weeks. But you find ways to make it more efficient and you know, like we have Daniel D. Craig as our, our editor and we record with Squadcast now. We didn't do that in the beginning. Squadcast gives us a separate track for each guest. Right. So you and I will have our own audio track 
And that way they can edit out. Like if somebody sneezes or something while somebody else is talking, it doesn't stay in the audio because you can edit off one track and not on the other. And we send that to Dan. He edits it all. He puts in the intro, the outro. If I need a commercial or something in it, I get him to make it. If I need him to announce something, he'll announce it. He just does it all. And he gives it back to me. And then we have a process that we go through for launching it. And it takes 20 minutes or something to launch the podcast out. So once you have the process down and you can get that four or five episodes ahead, then you can keep spinning the wheels. Like just this week, we actually had burned through our four ahead. So my wife, Carrie, and I recorded an extra podcast to launch yesterday. And then the interview I did yesterday is going to be Tuesday's release. And ours is going to be next Thursday. It's going to come out. And then I've also got one scheduled ahead. So I'm going to get caught up again. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing for my launch is I I'm going live with 10 episodes with influencers locally and globally so that, you know, there's a nice marketing campaign. And then after that, I also pre-recorded five additional episodes and they'll be released weekly after that. So I think if you get ahead of the game before you launch, it makes it a little bit easier. Also, I was told it would be so hard to find guests and I just have not had that experience. I've been really lucky. And if anything, I have too many people that are like, oh, I want to be on the podcast. But it's been fun. Well, and you can get referrals to get guests too. But another thing that you can do is podcastguests.com. It's a good one. And they have a newsletter that will send you guests every week that you can just sign. It's free. There's also matchmaker.fm, which matches podcasts with guests. So you can sign up for people and they have a place where you can contact each other, go back and forth to talk about it. Right. And then figure out if it's a good match for your podcast, for the guest. So it's like dating for podcasting. <laughs> it is. It's like a it's like a podcast dating app. That's so clever. <laughs> yeah. And there's some new stuff coming out all the time. I saw one the other day and I can't remember the name of it. I will see if I can find it and I'll, I'll send it to you. Have you used Podchaser by chance? No, I haven't used Podchaser yet. So Podchaser is pretty neat. You can set up your own profile for the types of podcasts you listen to and follow, but you also set up your profile as a creator of podcasts. And they, I think it's free. I haven't fully gone through their setup yet, but you can ask for guests for your show and put together a specific profile and they will start sending people your way as well as get you on other people's shows because your profile shows how many shows you've been a guest on, your airtime and whatnot for things that are on Podchaser. It's also a good idea to get like a one sheet or something like that created that you can send somebody if they want. So if, somebody, if, if you talk to someone and you're like, hey, can I be on your podcast? And they go, oh, sure. Can I get some information about you? You can be like, yeah, I included my one sheet. And that's just like a PDF that has information about you that they can use. It's a good idea to have sample questions. I really like sample questions are a good thing. And I'll tell you, if you're just starting out a pod, not you specifically, but you, the listener, uh, you know, <laughs> in your car or on the treadmill, if you're thinking I need to start a podcast, the thing that you really need to think about is what are the questions that are going to get the answers that my listener wants and not necessarily just what my guest wants to tell people, because those may not be the same thing. And it's not that you want to have guests on and not promote their stuff or any of that kind of stuff, but hopefully you're having guests on who are experts. And so you want to get their expertise out, right? I mean, most guests will be very forthcoming with their expertise, right? Holly, just like you are, right? But I think the questions are really what kind of drives 
the listenership and keeping people listening to your podcast. And you're going to have some bad episodes after a while. I mean, once you go through it for a while, you're just going to look back and you're going to be like, man, that one did not go the way I wanted it to. Right. And you could look back. But as you do it, you get better. You get better at writing the questions and making up the questions you're going to ask people. You get better at follow up questions. And then you really start to get some good episodes in. It feels good when you do something good. I don't remember who's telling me. They were saying Oprah Winfrey didn't have a famous talk show because she was famous. She had a famous talk show because she was so good at asking questions. Right. And so I don't know if that's true, but I haven't watched much Oprah in my life, to be honest. I don't know about Oprah, but I do think that the questions matter. So you really need to be very specific and clear on who your podcast audience is and what they want to hear and the mission or vision for your podcast before you develop it so that you are inviting the correct people. Because sometimes your guests are not the same as your audience, right? They're a couple of steps ahead of the people that are listening to the show. And so you want to make sure that they're sharing stories or advice or things that are really going to land with your audience. So I agree. You kind of have to masterfully play with and refine the questions you're asking. And another thing that I've found being a guest on some podcasts is that a lot of times you're going to find podcasts where either the person doesn't have the time or maybe it's not really in their wheelhouse, like a VA is setting it up for them or making the appointments or they've, they've hired a company that does that. So they haven't done like any research on you at all. So sometimes you need to be able to steer the answers to the questions because the person doesn't know what to ask because they haven't looked you up. Right. And now that I'm saying that that's bad, I mean, some people, they have media that they want to put out. Maybe they hire an agency to go find guests for them or something. So you need to be able to, get the information out that you need to get out that they may not be able to ask. And so on that note, I did some research about you <laughs> in a good way, in a good way, in a good way. I was like, uh oh, what did you find? <laughs> so I want you to tell me about my life and business compass because that was on your website and I thought it was super interesting. Yeah. So this has been a really interesting and challenging time. And I've noticed that when we went into COVID-19 and shelter in place, a lot of people were struggling with resetting their life and their daily routine. So one of the webinars that I was doing for the community is called My Perfect Day. And I'm actually doing that again on June 11th. And one piece of that webinar, and it's something I do with all of my clients in business coaching and executive coaching, is creating your life and business compass. So what that looks like is anytime you have a shift or a transformation in life, you need to reevaluate your compass. And that includes your five top life priorities and being really specific on what those life priorities are. So if you are invested in family, you wouldn't just write family as a life priority. You'd have very specific things next to family. You want to spend five recreational hours a week with your family. You want to participate in PTA. You want to travel less. You'd be very specific for that life priority, what that looks like. So it's attainable and clear. And then on the right side of that compass, you have your top three business focus areas. And you want to write these as goals 
You could have a large goal with sub goals beneath those three categories, but this helps us focus on this season in business or in your career. So you're very clear on what you're going after and what success looks like. And then at the top of that, you also have your long-term vision for the next one to five years. You know, you're defining what success would ultimately look, look like for you one to five years from now, because that keeps you motivated on track. Now, great. We put that together. Why is this so important? How do you use that? Well, I have it as a screensaver on my computer. I have it as an image on my phone. I have it in my office on my bulletin board above my computer. I have it on the refrigerator. And the reason it's so important to have it everywhere is if you're saying yes to things that are not on your compass, you're going to have to say no to things that are. And that means you're not going to gain momentum and get the ultimate success that you're looking for in your life. So by taking the power back, and creating your own personal compass, you're empowering yourself to achieve success on your own terms because you're defining success on your own terms. And so right now, it's a great time to reflect and step back and look at what your life and business compass looks like today because it's probably different than it was three or four months ago. So for anybody who's interested, you can download that for free and you can create your own life and business compass and put it as a screensaver, print it out. And I encourage you to share it with your family and your business partners so they understand what you're trying to achieve this year. Nice. So we'll have that in the show notes. You can get the show notes at hookseo.com slash podcast or in the show notes part of whatever your podcast provider is. Because we're on, I don't even know. You can get this podcast pretty much anywhere at this point. I completely agree with you. And and there's something I was talking with Eric Regal yesterday. We we're interviewing for the episode that's coming out on Tuesday. And we we're talking about how when there's large events that happen in the world, you know, that can affect. And I think 2020 obviously has a lot of large events have happened so far. It can cause people to kind of reflect inward on like, is this really the career path that I want to be on that I've been on for this time? Right. It kind of gives people an instigating incident to reflect on their life and their job and in some cases, their relationships and stuff like that, and maybe take it a different direction. Or in some cases, they're forced to take it a different direction. Like, Maybe you were a bartender or you owned like a tiny food establishment that you can't social distance. So you're probably not going to be open anytime soon or your business closed or you're on unemployment or whatever. Right. Now is a great time to steer that compass a different direction and say, what are those priorities that I want with my life? And maybe you can take your life a different direction that's going to end up in the long run. You're going to look back and be like, that is the greatest thing that happened to me because that changed my life. Right. I was able to do something new. Yeah, right now is the time to redefine what success looks like for you. It's the time to reflect and see what has worked and what hasn't. And since you, for some people that are forced to make this transition and change, why not use that time while you're on unemployment or you're between gigs to really be intentional about what the next perfect role looks like for you so that you're really happy and that you're living fully. It's interesting, even business owners, if they don't have their life priorities clear, they're ultimately building a job versus a business pretty frequently, or they're building a business that does not support their life. So for example, if you're a mom and you're creating a company or a business and you're traveling all the time and a life priority is time with families, that's not congruent. It's not aligned. And so ultimately it shows up in our health. It shows up in our stress. 
we're not as happy, we're burnt out. And so you want to make sure as you're doing this, even business owners, take the time to do this, make sure your business roadmap is headed in the right direction. That's true. And you know what? I got an interesting story that kind of goes along with that. So I was working in a restaurant when I was very young. And what happened was there was there was kind of a minor recession where I lived at the time. This is back in in the early 90s. I got laid off. Basically, they'd laid off most of the staff at the restaurant that I worked at. And I was in Canada at the time. And on unemployment in Canada, you could apply for retraining, which means that they paid for you to go back to school while you're on unemployment, which was great. Right. I was like, well, this is going to be great. And then I don't have to be like burning myself every day in the kitchen, you know, doing stuff for the rest of my life. I can go do something else. So so anyways, I went back to school and I did it was a short 18 month program. I did that. I finished that. But the credentials that I got from doing that while I was on unemployment eventually led to me having the credentials that I needed with the work experience I had to be able to immigrate to the United States on a free trade agreement visa, which ended up me being an IT contractor, ended up starting this company, ended up meeting my wife, having my daughter and all of these things stemmed from that time when I was laid off and I took that retraining option and it reshaped my life. Right. So Now's the time that you can do these things. I encourage you to get the My Life and Business Compass from Holly Jean Jackson. Holly, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's great. And hopefully you guys will be seeing us on virtual summits all over the place soon or a trade show near you sometime between September of this year to next year. Holly, thanks again. Thank you. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.